So I'm going to go ahead and admit something here. This is actually a really hard episode for me to do in my usual format. Um, I've actually talked about this a couple of times before. Uh, when I'm asked to ruminate, to analyze, to discuss something that I really don't like that's not bad, I kind of run into a wall. If it's good, I could talk about what they do and how they do it and how it connects. If it's bad, I can discuss what they did wrong or critique it or say how I might have done it differently. But if it's something I dislike and good, you know, the coffee situation, then I'm just staring at a wall like, what do I say? So for the record, I hate this episode. It's not a lamentation, because it's not a bad episode. But I hate it, and I hate everything it represents. I actually got into a rather lengthy and heated discussion with a few friends about this uh, just prior to actually going through it. Now, and I'm opening with this because I feel like I, I need to explain my position. Uh, because this is when Dukat becomes Pa Dukat, which is what I'm going to try and remember to call him henceforward, which shouldn't be that hard since me and my friends in real life have used that terminology for got over a decade at this point. In fact, yeah, about a decade and a half. Since about 2005 is when my friends and I started referring to him as Pa Dukat from this point on. Now, I know he hasn't actually been inhabited by the Pa Wraiths yet, but this is the beginning of Pa Dukat, the second character, the one who arguably is not Dukat. Now, I want to discuss that briefly. If because to, I, one of the things I like to do is to put myself in the mindset and the shoes of the people I disagree with. So, for example, uh, I was talking to someone who really likes this direction and really likes this analysis of the character because this is how they've always interpreted Dukat. So, for them, this is just, yes, confirmation. Now, I understand that feeling. And so if I try to mentally change it, so like, okay... So now let's assume that they went with my own interpretation of Dukat. And it's like, okay, that's the Dukat that we see going forward. All right, I'm with it. Um, I, I have to completely admit that would bother me a lot less. It would still bother me, not because of this episode in particular, but because the assumption is what if they did every episode after this in the same general way. I... It is my opinion that keeping Dukat on the show was actually a mistake from this point onwards. In my opinion, and I already said this, his character arc concluded in Sacrifice of Angels. Everything about Dukat had terminated in that episode. But Ira Stephen Bear and Ronald D. Moore, but mostly Ira Stephen Bear, really wanted Dukat to be the devil, basically, to Sisko's angel. So Dukat needed to be the, the thematic core, the villain of the entire series. In fact, spoilers, in the very last episode of Deep Space Nine, they will resolve what I consider to be the main plot and the main threat with like 30 or 40 minutes of runtime left. And then they'll go after Dukat. And I, I, it's like, what? And I'll complain about that when we get there. <clears throat> but, oh God, it's, see, the problem is I have every problem with this mentally personally and emotionally. And this is why I hate this episode, is because this is the beginning of that. Um, I, I, uh, but let, let's distance myself from my opinion for a moment, and let's talk about something. Dukat is one of the most debated characters I've ever seen in Star Trek. I would actually say he is the most debated character I've ever seen in Star Trek. 
Well, I've heard people debate which is the better captain or which is the better show or which season do you like or which ship do you like. When it comes to just debating a character of just discussing it and, and sharing different interpretations, different analyses on a character, I've never heard or seen anyone like Dukat amongst Trek fandom. Now, in hindsight, this is all very logical because the various creative staff disagreed on who and what he should be. So if you think about it objectively, what we get from Dukat is an inconsistent character because people couldn't agree on who and what he should be. Now, I imagine some will disagree with that, and that's fine because I anticipate this will be my most disagreed-upon video that I've ever done for Star Trek, ever, across everything. Like, maybe we'll get some similar disagreements over on Enterprise, but this is the one I'm anticipating people really disagree with me on. And that's fine, because that's the kind of the point, isn't it? There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's actually kind of awesome that we could all look at this character and all completely disagree about him. This brings me to my problem, though, because in this episode, they pull a trick, which I've actually talked about a few times before. It's when... Um, the way it's exactly implemented is usually different, but it boils down to the same concept. A character, in character, states something as if it is fact in a way to try and convince the audience that this is now factually true. Uh, sometimes this is, most of the time when you see this trick used, it's actually to cover up plot holes because the, the writers didn't think about how to connect point A and point B, so they just have the character say, oh, it must be such and such. And, and the, it's true, right? I'm, I'm sure you could think of like a dozen movies that do this trick right off the top of your head. So they pull that trick in this episode by having both Dukat just rant about how evil he is, and then have Sisko give his final denouement where he flat out calls Dukat evil, thus putting into the character's words, he's evil, the end. There's no silver lining here, there's no gradient. There's nothing. He is the pure evil. He is the dark death doom of the series. And that, I think, is what bothers me most. Is because the authors flat, that's flat out said, no, no, this is true, and everything else is wrong. Now, on the one hand, I can kind of see why they'd want to do that. Because as a writer, I could perceive wanting to do that myself. Um... I'll, I'll use a specific character. If, if I was writing for Madness, for example, which is a character in my series, and people were like, oh my god, he's the most horrifically, nightmarishly evil thing. He's like truly the pure personification of evil. And I'm like, no, he's not. <laughs> what are you talking about? And so I could see the desire to state in, in such a definitive way, no. But at the same time, that's not what they do. What they do is they state, well, this is what he really is. And everyone else is wrong. And it feels kind of petty. And I can state this with definitiveness because remember, and I know I've said this a lot, but it's really important to understanding D Space Nine. D Space Nine was really unique in the fact that its creators actively reached out to the fan base, and the fan base was small enough and yet still accessible enough that they could reach back. So they had feedback from fans about all this stuff. In fact, I have a transcript. Uh, this is from January 23rd of 1998, where uh, it's one of the AOL chats. I've got a whole bunch of There's like hundreds of these for Deep Space Nine. It's been one of my biggest sources of behind-the-scenes info. Uh, one of the questions is, are you surprised a good number of people in Walt were disappointed by the absoluteness of Cisco's judgment of Dukat's evil? Do you, as a writer and observer of a character, think Ben's overdoing it? And his response was basically, no. 
Like I'm, I, he gives a full paragraph and he stretches it out, um, but he, he basically says, "No, he, he's evil. We need to lay out some kind of judgment on this guy. He's a villain. He's evil." The end. And what's funny is like five questions in this particular chat are all about Ducat and the, and the presentation thereof, and it's like. <laughs> Like I said, it's been an oft-discussed topic. In fact, I know how it's been an oft-discussed topic because I myself have literally discussed this with friends yesterday. That's how recently we're still discussing Ducat as a character. Now, that being stated, that's my biggest problem with this in the application of Waltz. My next biggest problem <clears throat> is that iTunes is trying to update. My next fix. <laughs> iTunes has been discontinued. Why are you trying to update? Um, the, the next biggest problem I have. I, uh, oh God! I, I see. I don't even know where to start. There's so many things that bother me about this. I. One of the thematic points that the show has been continually hammering on, and I've been pointing this out as we've been going, is that Ducat, for all his villainy, is on a completely separate level from the real villain of D DS9, the Dominion. The, the the Dominion is such a perfect thematic and literal antagonistic force for the Federation as in general, and for each of the main characters in specific. All of them, individually, have a perfect uh, connecting point of opposition to the Dominion. That goes all the way down to Jake, if we want to get down to the ancillary characters. And Nog, although that one's not quite come to full fruition yet, but it will. Everyone has this opposition to the Dominion. The Dominion are the villains, the core central antagonist of Deep Space Nine. And yet, this episode and several episodes in the future will try to posit that, no, it's Ducat. And the Pa rates, which, if you're paying attention, haven't even really been invented yet. Not really. So, what? <laughs> It'd be like in the middle of... Oh, God, I'm trying to think of a parallel. And I'm failing at it. Imagine if Voyager, who, which always had the Borg as their villains. Let's use that as I know that's not a great example. But imagine if in Season 7, all of a sudden they encounter the Paratus. And you've never heard of the Paratus before. But they're the big, true, ultimate, pure evil. And they're being led by Kess. <laughs> or, or something. I, I, I'm struggling to come up with an analogy because this is so nonsensical to me. Which brings me to my next point. And this is actually a fascinating one. There's a concept called death of the author, which is actually a very large, very complicated topic that I want to get into right now. But for the purposes of this discussion, it boils down to how much does author intent matter? Now, in my opinion, author intent does matter, but it's always going to be case by case. Uh, one of the things I always try to do is try to understand authorial intent when it comes to discussing and analyzing fiction. Among other things, it could give us insight into what was intended, even if what was intended is not what we see on the screen. One of the most interesting points, though, of Death of the Author is when we, the audience, violently disagree with the creator of a work, which actually happens pretty often, especially with Star Trek. How many times have Star Trek fans disagreed with, to go back to the core idea, Roddenberry and his core ideologies. Now, I'm not saying all of us do, nor am I saying we should, but I'm just saying I have heard that particular point of contention many times amongst many fans. Um, so, do, do we have to acknowledge authorial intent? Absolutely. 
But whether or not it's valid, whether or not it's something we should take into account, whether it's something that should be considered an absolute, all of this is going to be more case by case. It gets a little less gray when the author basically walks into a character's mouth and says, this is true, which is what this episode does, which again brings me back to point one of why this bothers me so much. Um, I could just sit down and really discuss... Like, I came up with, I think, six different reasons why this really bothers me when I was discussing this yesterday. I think I'm going to go ahead and stop. I think I've made my point in, in, in summary. And I'm mostly just talking because I have very little to say about the episode proper. Like I said, it's very hard for me to analyze something I don't enjoy that's not bad. So this is going to come across as a little bit basic, but here we go. First, we see... Uh, so he has this chorus. They call him this chorus. Uh, now, in this case, it's uh, Damar, Weyoun, and Kira. Now, this is actually a brilliant idea, and probably, in my opinion, the best part of the episode, because each of them represent a part of his shattered psyche. After he lost his mind and spent nights screaming and screaming until the nurse had to run in, which is a very powerful scene, by the way. We don't actually see Dukat screaming. We just hear about it from Weyoun, and... I mean, Jeffrey Combs does a very good job with that, as he always does. They, all three of them do, really. Uh, Casey Biggs, Jeffrey Combs, and uh, Nana Visitor all just nail basically playing a piece of Ducat, because that's what they're doing. In fact, uh, what's funny is I had my own notes of which was which, but remember those AOL chats? Well, actually, Ronald D. Moore actually flat out stated this is what each of them were. And it was pretty much anal analogous one-to-one. Weyoun is the sense of inferiority. The Dominion is better than you. The Dominion is stronger than you. The Dominion is tougher than you. The Dominion is smarter than you. You are inferior. Then we cut over to Damar, the exact opposite of that. No, you're wonderful. You're the best. You are the savior of Cardassia. Cardassia will not survive without its great leader, you. And then, of course, there's Kira. Now, this is probably the best one, in my opinion. And this is probably the one point more and I agree on when it comes to the character of Dukat. Because Kira is his self-loathing. The idea, as Moore himself posits, is that even while doing evil, Dukat hated himself for doing evil. He recognized it, and recognized it as wrong, and didn't like the fact that he was doing it. Now, that does not make him less evil, per se, but it does add another dimension to his character. Thus, Kira, his self-loathing. You're disgusting, and you're despicable, and you're awful. And the fact that these are the three dominant shards of his personality says a lot about Dukat and where he's at at this point in time. So there's this nice scene where Pa Dukat and Sisko are talking. They're bonding over Zial. Pa Dukat, of course, keeps Sisko around. Naturally, he needs Sisko to acknowledge his greatness. He needs, he needs to, to, to finally have the truth from the emissary. And finally, you'll understand why it is that this great man... Because Sisko is a great man. That's actually funny. Pa Dukat and Dukat both agree Sisko's a great man. So obviously he has to have his respect, right? Because he's, he's a great man too, right? I'm a great man. Oh God, I'm a great man. And he pushes this idea constantly of gaining the respect and admiration of someone. who is, And he constantly refers to him as, an old, as his old friend. I, he has to respect me. I've got to know he respects me. Now, there's this actually very interesting scene. Now, I didn't catch this my first time around, so I'll admit my ignorance here. There's this bit where Cisco finds out the comm unit is damaged. It is, is not actually working, even though it says it is. 
So he asks Ducat to check on it. Ducat checks on it and says, no, that's working fine. That's all I needed to know. In short, Cisco was testing what exactly is going on here because it was still within the realm of possibility that Ducat was actually mistaken, that he had thought he'd fixed it and he hadn't. It's probably also within the realm of possibility that Ducat is completely insane. Although, I mean... <clears throat> so he tests him on this matter. And it's a nice touch, because if I was to feel like analyzing this episode, I would say that this is thematically getting across the point that despite all of Ducat's statements that Cisco is prejudging him and refusing, you know, looking down upon him and refusing to uh, give him a chance, Cisco gave him a chance. He, he did. He, he was willing to take the benefit of the doubt and say, all right, maybe Ducat's just wrong. Maybe he's mistaken. Maybe something's up with this. Well, Ducat failed him on that matter, didn't he? <clears throat> You'll notice I'm kind of shuffling back and forth between calling him P. Ducat and Ducat. It, it's kind of hard at this point, because <laughs> because the Padres aren't involved yet. It'll get much more obvious later. Anyways. So, Pa Ducat then has this great bit where he says, Okay, there's no one else here. No one to judge you. No one to impress. Now, this is actually amusing in its own right, because it's implying that the only reason Cisco would ever say that he dislikes Ducat or hates him or whatever is because of the fact that, well, he has to maintain a visage. He has to, he has to you know, be the emissary and be the captain. But now in, in the privacy of the cave, now he can be honest and tell him what he really feels. <laughs> and this is also the first scene where Cisco finally sees him talking to uh, Kira, the self-loathing. <laughs> and Cisco starts to realize very quickly, I might add, just how far gone he really is. And, uh, yeah. Now, this is interesting, though. Because then Pa Ducat starts talking about... <sighs> I myself have made a comment in what I call the crimes of the Cardassian Union. In short, that the organization, as a systemic entity did horrible things to the Cardassians and to the Bajorans by turning Cardassians into monsters or into, you know, self-loathing people who were being forced to go along with something they hated. This goes all the way back to Duet, way the back way back in season one. And I've talked about the crimes of the Cardassian Union several times as we go through this series. So when Pa Ducat starts talking about the situation it's actually interesting because everything he outlines, at least at first, really is about the Union, not about him. When I showed up, and he actually sits down and lists his evidence. He lists his evidence. So, reduced quotas, no child labor. That was just forbidden. Uh, more food, more medical care. You know, um, I, I think he actually mentions a few other things. But he tr he basically walked in and said, okay, we're going we're to try and make this a lot less horrible than it currently has been. And yet Central Command was constantly pushing for more. This is then in addendum to the fact that the Bajorans were still fighting back. Because, of course, they were. I mean, it's, this sounds so strange, but I want to make this clear. Even if my interpretation of Ducat was true, which is obviously a debatable fact, the fact of the matter is, even if this, even if someone even if Mr. Rogers walked in and and was now the new prefect of Bajor, 
he would still be a, a, a conquered force. The, the Bajorans would still be a conquered force. They would still be under the yoke of another people. They would not be free. They would be a subjugated populace. And so, no matter how nice or good or beneficial or, or whatever that Mr. Rogers is, it doesn't matter to the Bajorans. Why would it? The only thing that matters to them after 40 years of garbage is to get those Cardassians the hell off their planet. Remember, historically, how many years it took for Bajorans, even at, even on an, on an individual basis, to get to the point where they could kind of accept Cardassians. Sometimes distantly. It'll probably be generations before Bajorans can actually embrace Cardassians in any significant sense whatsoever. Because of just... Think about that, of course! That's just logical. So, this is my point. Even if Dukat really had been a genuinely well-meaning person, he was still the person who was on the throne of the conquerors who had conquered them. So, of course, they fight back. Of course, they still sabotage. Of course, they still do guerrilla warfare. They have no other capacity to fight back, and they're not going to stop fighting back. All of this is logical. This, then, helps to emphasize why Dukat is not a good person. Now, in my interpretation, Dukat is still a villainous, evil person, to be clear. But he's not the devil. He is, in my interpretation, someone who was basically turned into a much worse person by the occupation, to put it simplistically. That he was not a good person, that he, but he was probably a neutral leaning, leaning towards good person, who was then put in charge of the occupation. And so then it got worse, and it got worse, and it got worse, and because he was effectively in a no-win scenario by his own mentality, he thought, well, there's nothing I can do, so I will have to keep doing this. This is why he's not a good person, because a good person would consider ways to, you know, fight back against the Cardassian occupation itself, to try and stop the literal occupation, or to sabotage its efforts from within, or to try and reach out to external aid, or to get the Federation involved, or something. That's what a good person would do. A neutral person will do their job. You follow? Now that's my interpretation of Dukat. Now, Pa Dukat, the Dukat that this episode posits, was an incredibly evil person from the beginning, who hated them and loathed them and had vicious, malicious thoughts from the very beginning, and just was like, okay, but I will be better than them. I will prove my superiority. By, I'm sorry, I'm saying this dismissively. It's just because I disagree with it. But I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't do that, and I apologize. Uh, you know, I, I am better than you, but I am going to do my best to reach out to you to prove that I'm better, to show that I'm a better person. In short, he was a horribly disgusting uh, Cardassian from the very beginning by this episode's positing. And again, valid interpretation. Nothing wrong with that interpretation. Except when the episode says it flat out. You get my point, you get my point. Um... Also, they mentioned an assassination attempt, which I actually find interesting because we'll be seeing that assassination attempt later this season. <laughs> Time travel. But what I love about Mark Alemo's performance here is he comes across as so desperate. He is desperate for Cisco's approval. Desperate to prove his point. Yes. Yes, of course. And when I say that, I don't just mean his voice. 
Alemo does some great stuff with his body language in this episode. He like he, he almost seems like an animal. Like he's just like he's just oh god, I need this. You don't understand. I can't even fully do it because I can't move enough to make my point. So then Ducat says, Oh, you thought Bajor saw me as my enemy. No, they'll know me as their enemy. Now what's interesting is I mentioned earlier that Ducat will only be seeing Kira once more, really. Uh, in the, the cult episode. What's even funnier is Ducat will only be seeing Cisco once more as well, in the last episode. The two have no further interactions henceforth. Not really what I'd imagine from the, the great archetypal villain of the entire series. I, I don't know, I'd figure it'd be more like Dominion-y, but hey, what, what the hell do I know? Final notes. Uh, I haven't really talked about the B-plot. It's because I'm not even sure why the B-plot's in this episode. In fact, I actually kind of hate the B-plot, because not only is it wasting time, but it even pulls a bait-and-switch more than once. There's this wonderful bit where, you know, Cisco gets the distress signal working, and they're like, hey, I picked up a distress signal. And then they're like, ah, and then they were beaming them up. And they beam up two completely unrelated people. It's typical editing trickery. What's even funnier is, of course, then later when Ducat takes out the distress signal, he... You know, they actually were picking up the distress signal this time, and then they lose it, so that's cute. But I honestly don't even see why the B-plot is in this episode. It's not really insightful or character-developing for anyone, in my opinion. Even the confrontation between Bashir and Worf is just okay. I mean, troop convoy, right? That, that's kind of a big deal. Although, why does this troop convoy have no ships defending it? Zero. And when they get there, they'll have one. I've done escort missions in TIE Fighter. That's a recipe for disaster. You're off fighting the eastern flank, and then the western flank ships show up and just destroy the convoy before you can even turn around. Anyways. I actually have nothing else to say. I am... I, I want to make this very clear. I very much want to hear your guys' thoughts on Ducat, on Pod Ducat, on the fact that they state him so overtly in this episode, and what they do with him going forward. So I would love to hear your guys' comments on this one. For now, all I can say is I hope you've enjoyed. I'll see you next time, guys.